consistently what I notice in people who are able to help themselves and to heal is simply a willingness to do so and a belief that they can and a willingness to give themselves time and to give themselves their own time, you know, to do different practices, whether it's yoga or meditation or breathing exercises that help you to slow down and to really listen to what it is that you want in each moment. Welcome to the Art of Humanity. I'm your host, Jessica Ann. This is my podcast where you can listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and your favorite entrepreneurs. You can explore creativity and consciousness, evolve your business with the art of humanity. Now, here's this week's episode. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening as always to the show. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Here's the thing. I personally haven't consumed audiobooks up until recently because I preferred to use my Kindle. But audiobooks are now my main way to consume content. As listeners and readers of my book, Humanize Your Brand, know, I try to live a life of a minimalist, and I don't necessarily need or want more books. I like experiencing the brilliant insights of a book minus the hard copy. Well, if you're like me and love audiobooks, Audible is offering Art of Humanity listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash artofhumanity and browse the selection of audio programs. You can download a title and start listening. It's really that easy. I love listening to audiobooks before bed. And the best part is that you can listen to audiobooks when you have Wi-Fi turned off, whether it's on a plane or right before bed and you don't want to be stimulated by social media, you can listen to an audiobook. I turn on airplane mode, put my eye mask on and drift off to stories. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening, as always, to the show. This is episode 39, and this intro is going to be a bit brief because I'm slightly under the weather, and I think I sound a little bit nasally. (laughs) But I've received such great feedback from the previous few episodes of my podcast. I love hearing from you, and this one popped up on my iTunes review from Rooch85. I think that's Brad from Sweetwater. And I'm actually using a Sweetwater product right now. This is not a sponsored ad. I'm just using uh, something that Brad and I talked about over email a few times. It's called the Scarlet, and it helps the audio podcast quality sound much better. So thanks, Brad, for writing in to review my podcast. He writes, I listen to a great number of podcasts across a number of topics, and I have found the art of humanity to be refreshing in the number of topics Jessica is able to tackle in a professional manner. She's a true professional and always manages to get great interviews with interesting guests. There's something here for just about anyone. Thank you so much, Brad, for that review. And if you like this podcast, leaving a five-star review on iTunes would help me out so much. It really helps to gain traction and takes a few seconds. So if you could go over right now to iTunes and leave a review, I'll maybe even give you a shout out in my next episode. This season focuses on empowering the next paradigm of creativity. And one of the topics I'm exploring in this podcast and in my next book is creativity and consciousness. My guest today is someone who aligns with my mission for authenticity and leadership, Rima the Jungle Girl. Rima and I hung out in real life in Costa Rica when I was there in August. This woman walks her talk. In this conversation, we dive deep into a number of topics such as hypnotherapy and past life regression how she sat in silence for seven days and what this experience was really like, 
how plant medicine opens up our consciousness and why this is just one of many, many tools out there to go deep into your shadows. We also discuss veganism and how a comic book changed her life. I'm so excited to bring you this episode. Let's go to the show. Hi, it's Jessica Ann, and thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Today, I'm talking with Rima Danielle. Rima is an entrepreneur, psychotherapist, vegan lifestyle advocate, and yoga teacher from L.A. She hosts the Rima the Jungle Girl podcast from her jungle house in Santa Teresa, Costa Rica, where she lives the life of her dreams every single day. She hosts adventure, healing, and couples retreats around Costa Rica. Rima, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Hey, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Rima, I had the lovely opportunity to hang with you in the jungle of Costa Rica just a few short months ago. What amazes me about your lifestyle is that it's filled with so much synchronicity. You're really tapped into the universe in a magical way. And I love your story about how you ended up in Costa Rica. And I'm sure my listeners are dying to know the synchronistic story about how you ended up there as well. Can you share a little bit about, you know, what you were doing in California before you went over there and the magical journey that took you and brought you into Costa Rica? Yes, absolutely. It's one of my favorite stories. So thank you for asking. And it's sort of a long story. So I'll try to just stick to the uh, interesting parts of it. Um, I'm a marriage and family therapist. So I was living in Venice. I had gone to grad school in Malibu and was working to get my intern hours and really just hustling to make ends meet and to survive in LA and California. It was you know, I felt like I was working all day, every day, and really felt like I was, even though there's a great community in California and in Venice, really didn't feel like I was connecting much to people. I felt like I was spending a lot of time in my car, in office buildings and classrooms, things like that. And I just sort of felt like something was missing, you know, even though on paper, I was living this really quote unquote, perfect lifestyle and was where I had wanted to be. Um, I just always sort of felt like something was missing. So fast forward, I had the opportunity to go in 2012 to Costa Rica on a surf and yoga retreat. And it wasn't even something that I had planned, really. It was a colleague of mine who she was saying to be a therapist as well. And she knew that I surfed and that I was wanting to go to Costa Rica because I had talked about it a few times before. Um, she synchronistically had a free trip to go on this retreat. She had booked it for her partner and he ended up not wanting to go and he didn't have a passport. And it was two weeks before and she asked me if I wanted to go on this trip that was paid for to Costa Rica. And I was just like, yeah, yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. And so I just made the arrangements so that I would be able to go and showed up basically. And it was the most magical five days of my life. Um, we flew into Tambor Airport and it literally looks like it's just on a little commuter plane when you get to the peninsula. And it looks like you're going to fly into the ocean and the plane lands like the runway starts at the ocean line pretty much. And so it's just very picturesque from the moment you land. And we stayed in this hotel called Nautilus Boutique Hotel and there was a vegan restaurant on site and so I've been vegan for many years and so it was just like whoa like this is so meant to be and a lot of things happened in those five days that just made me feel like I was home it's 
kind of hard to describe, but just a few examples of the stories. We went on a hike in Cabo Blanco Reserve and there were some wild monkeys and some of them that even though they're wild, they're more used to humans being around. And this one monkey came up and was holding my hand and she like walked <laughs> with me oh through the hike. And <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, it was so incredible. And, and we went to the beach at night, which you're really not supposed to do. It's a no, no. And we didn't know it at the time. And it was probably not as dangerous then as it can be now. But we went as a group and there was bioluminescence in the water and so it was like literally I don't know if you know what bioluminescence is but for anyone listening who doesn't know it's like um kind of a type of algae or bacteria or I don't know it's like something in the water that when it reacts to either oxygen or to your skin it creates like a glow effect and it can look either blue or like glitter or like sparkly um and so this particular night it was just like glitter everywhere and so it was we were like in the ocean glowing and it was oh, sounds magical, magical. <laughs> yeah so you know another thing that I realized after I had left and then come back was I was talking to a local and he told me that this particular part of Costa Rica is so it's a peninsula it's in the Coyne Peninsula and it's a blue zone so it's one of the places in the world where people live to be the oldest in the world one of the reasons people believe is because it sits on a bed of quartz crystal from, you know, years of different volcanic activity that made the ground shift and blah, blah, blah. There's basically when you walk along the ocean, you can see crystal everywhere. And what this local was telling me was that the ocean water cleanses the crystal and the moon charges it with healing vibes and it has this magnetic attraction. So some people come and they're either very drawn to the area and glued in or some people are spit out like they're repelled by it so I was one of the people that got stuck yeah <laughs> you absolutely got glued in and whether it's the quartz crystal or your intuition there's something pulling you to the energy of Costa Rica absolutely yeah and every day I am just reassured that it it was all meant to be that's sort of part one of the story I guess Rima, tell me how a comic book changed your life. So just continuing on from when I was telling about when I first came to Costa Rica, right after that, when I went back to Venice, I was telling everyone that I was going to be moving to Costa Rica. And I had just like known in my heart of hearts that that was where I was meant to be and it was going to happen. And so this guy that lived in my building went home for Christmas and he came home and he had found a comic book in a pawn shop in Ohio called Rima the Jungle Girl. And it's a DC comic book character from the 70s. And there's a seven part comic book. And it's basically this woman named Rima. And it's spelled the same way that my name is spelled. And she lives in the jungle. And she's a, basically a vegan superhero. Like she doesn't harm animals. And if there's people that come into the jungle to hunt or poach or chop down trees or something, she uses magic and she communicates with the animals to fight them off. And she lives in harmony with them. And so this for me was just like a prophecy, like the ultimate knowing that, you know, going back to what you were saying about like, how do you know when to trust yourself and that you're on the right path? It was just the sign that everything is as it should be. 
and meant to be. And I sort of just decided like, I'm going to continue my life living as Rima the Jungle Girl. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Rima the Jungle Girl. Yay. (laughs) I love it. That's such a great story. Um, So you mentioned something was missing before you moved. So you're like, all right, what's not working is my current lifestyle, even though it's great on paper. How can it possibly be better? So then you got the invitation to go somewhere magical. You just listened to your gut response. It was yes. So you went and then your whole entire life changed. As listeners might be wondering, even if their lives are great on paper, like how can we tap into that intuition and just even if it doesn't make sense on paper, whether it's finance worries or anything that comes up, what can listeners do that will maybe get them more in touch with listening to that divine intuition that's so necessary to live a life that is magical today? Well, it's a, these are big questions you're asking. <laughs> I think the simple answer is that it takes time and it takes presence and awareness. And it takes, you know, that has to be your intention. Like you really, you know, as a therapist, I work with clients a lot with many, many different kinds of people. And consistently what I notice in people who are able to help themselves and to heal is simply a willingness to do so and a belief that they can and a willingness to give themselves time and to give themselves their own time, you know, to do different practices, whether it's yoga or meditation or breathing exercises that help you to slow down and to really listen to what it is that you want in each moment. And I went through a lot of therapy as well, especially at this point in my life, when I was getting my intern hours to become licensed, I was in group therapy and I was doing hypnotherapy, like past life regression work, and was really tapping into what was the driving force in my life and whether that was something that I wanted for myself or whether it was fueled by voices from family or culture or tradition or, you know, this idea of like, what it is to be a woman or for my colleagues, you know, what it means to be a man, you know, all the, all this like conditioning that we grow up with, I think really being able to tap into that to understand where it comes from and to quiet it. And then to be able to just listen to yourself. It's a skill, you know, it takes time for sure. Yeah. And it seems like you've done your work as much as you, and that's so refreshing to hear as a psychotherapist that you actually do your work, you know, because you can kind of report back to others. You're actually living and breathing your own work and then helping others do the same. You know, you mentioned that you did some past life regression and I'm curious, that's something I've heard about and I'm not sure if my listeners know anything about this, but I'm curious to learn more about what it is and how that helped you see the bigger picture of how to live the life of your dreams. Yeah. So that again is like another whole other world of like, I would love to just really get deeply into that, but just to give people an idea of what it is. So hypnotherapy is, you know, everyone knows what hypnosis is. Let's just start there. It's shown in popular culture and, you know, in movies and people being hypnotized. And there's a lot of misconceptions there. But a hypnotic state is 
something that we get into often in our lives without even really noticing it. So this might happen when people are driving, for example, if they drive on the same roads day after day, you might even get to a trance when you're driving or you're not even necessarily conscious. It's like your subconscious mind or your unconscious mind is taking over with hypnotherapy. And the goals with that is to get you into a really deep state of relaxation. So that we can bypass the conscious mind and give suggestions to the subconscious and to the unconscious. And so just for hypnotherapy, it might, it's really effective for all kinds of things like weight loss or smoking cessation or people who are allergic to anesthesia and they use it to numb themselves before going into procedures. I mean, it's, it's really powerful. And so past life regression is a, byproduct, I guess, of hypnotherapy. And it's this idea that we live multiple lives so that our soul reincarnates. And it was brought to Western psychology from a psychologist named Brian Weiss. And he wrote a book called Many Lives, Many Masters, if people are interested in getting a crash course in what this work is all about. And he was working with a client and decided to use hypnotherapy because he could not figure out what was going on with her. She had a lot of phobias and she was depressed and just had a lot of different issues that years of traditional therapy was not addressing. And so he finally used hypnotherapy with her and it ended up that she was, when she was in these hypnotic states, she was remembering past lives and she was remembering different ways that she had died, which were correlated to different phobias that she had. Um, And she knew information about the doctor that, you know, nobody knew like details and names about his family. Like it was sort of like really eerie, an eerie experience for him. And he ended up working a lot with past life regression, but obviously it goes a lot deeper than that. But the basic idea is that it helps us to address maybe certain karma or like I said, fears or ideas, beliefs that we bring in from past lives into this life. And that might be hindering us from moving forward. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like powerful (laughs) stuff. And I'll put uh, the name of that author and his book, Brian Weiss, and I'll put a link to his book in the show notes at artofhumanity.io. So past life regression is kind of like the precursor or it seems like you've made this natural evolution from like hypnotherapy to past life regression. And now you and your partner, Russ, regularly take journeys. And recently you took an epic journey deep in in the (laughs) Peruvian Amazon jungle and you sat in silence for seven days dieting with various plant medicines That is at a whole different level, it sounds like. (laughs) So um, I'm curious as to your experience in this deep dive in the Peruvian jungle and why you decided to do this and what are the benefits and explain listeners, what is this all about? (laughs) Yeah, so ayahuasca is the name of the plant that we work with primarily and it's something that I was actually introduced to in Los Angeles about seven years ago. So it is there as well. There are people that do ceremonies in California and around the world. And it's 
So I actually talk about a lot of these things that we're talking about now on my podcast. And so I, there is like a whole episode, which we go pretty deep. My partner does a pretty good job of describing what exactly ayahuasca is, what the journey's like and um, what these different plant medicines are. So, you know, if you're interested in sort of going deeper into that, I definitely recommend that particular episode. Um, but Basically, these medicines, these plant medicines that we work with have different consciousnesses. And I believe that all plants, all beings, you know, everything has a conscious. And so, you know, the difference between like our consciousness and, and these plants is that if you cut a tree down or you cut a plant down, this consciousness, it doesn't die or it doesn't. You know, I don't want to get into a whole other philosophical discussion, but I love it. No, this, <laughs> I dig it. Keep going. <laughs> okay. So basically like these, these medicines are seen as teachers. And so, you know, most people are familiar in the West with mushrooms. And so that's kind of more of a popular one, I guess that's used more recreationally, but mushrooms goes into this category as well. And whether it's food that you're taking, you know, different plants that you're eating as food and it's nourishing you in that way, or whether different brews are made, such as with ayahuasca, it's a brew that's made between the ayahuasca vine and something with DMT, like, for example, shakruna leaves are pretty common. And so these brews are made to open our consciousnesses up and to both take us within ourselves and outside of ourselves at the same time um, and to really show us how we're all united as humans and as just various spirits in the world um, in this universe and in ayahuasca in particular is a very powerful journey that's done typically in ceremony so you know mushrooms like I said a lot of people do them more recreationally or San Pedro is another one that's pretty common it's like a cactus that you take that is very heart opening and so all these different um, plants have different effects that they have and different reasons for taking them and so for me just having worked with them mushrooms for quite a while I guess probably since I was like 18 or something wow um, and just really seeing how they've allowed me to have an open mind to continue having an open mind you know I think a big piece of why I am where I am is because I'm very non-judgmental when it comes to like most things in my life, I think just like when opportunities present themselves or when, you know, a certain course or a way of thinking or an idea, like anything comes my way, I'm very open-minded and willing to entertain what that is and to see where it takes me. And so I'm, I think that has a big impact in where I am today, just like not judging the story of what should be or what is or how I'm supposed to live my life, you know, just like letting things flow as they go like as things come going with them and I really think plant medicines have helped me to not put barriers up you know mm -hmm. around myself around my my heart um, to really just stay open to people and to animals and the planet <laughs> for sure so I'm so curious what has been you know the most transformative vision or experience that you received from one of these plant medicines Picking one is hard. Um, 
Um, I definitely feel like for me, this idea of choice. Um, so to give a little bit more context, it's good to go into a ceremony with intention and with like a question that you want answered or something that you want clarity about. And so when I first moved here, I was managing a hotel. So this is part of the story that I didn't continue about when I moved here, but I, I ended up doing some real estate and selling the hotel that I first stayed in on my first trip here to Costa Rica. So I sold Nautilus Hotel and then I ended up managing that hotel for a while. And that was about two years. And there was a part, a point in time where I was really unsure of like my path, like what I was doing in Costa Rica. I wasn't um, working as a therapist at the time. So I wasn't really connecting as well with people and really doing what I was passionate about. And I started to get really bitter and wasn't really taking care of myself as as much and taking care of my responsibilities. And I was feeling stuck in my position. Like I was telling myself these stories that like, I, you know, the owner didn't, the owner of the, the new owner of the hotel never lived in Costa Rica and he didn't really know much of anything about it. And I was really the one holding the weight of all of the responsibility for the employees and the guests. And so it was a lot. And so I was telling myself these stories that no one else would be able to take over if I quit and I had to be there and I was like stuck in this situation. And so I had this intention, one ceremony of just getting clarity around my work and around my job and what I should do and so this is one of those ceremonies where it just kind of it wasn't like super intense it was more simple but it it was just sort of like this message came through of like you're choosing it the whole time like there anything that you any stories that you tell yourself are just illusion like it's my choice to live here it's my choice to work there it's, you know, I get a paycheck from it. So it's supporting me. And the second that I decide not to do it anymore, I have that choice to choose differently. And I'm never stuck, you know, like none of that illusion, I guess. And those, that prison that I had like painted around myself, like none of that was true, you Mm. know? So just like helped to show me that like, okay, while you're there, do your best, you know, like take care of your responsibilities and do your best, but then be honest about, my own power over the situation instead of feeling like helpless, like a victim, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's so important. I think that, you know, you mentioned the illusion and it's the the Maya, this facade that surrounds us on the 3D level, thinking that if we get out of the rat race, that everything's going to come crashing down. But the reality is that the more free will that you have, the easier life becomes. I mean, it's, you know, life gets easier the more that you step out of that 3D matrix, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You just have to have the audacity and the conviction in your heart in the most purest form to know that that path is true for you. Yes. Yeah. On that note, there was another experience with ayahuasca where there were, I just like walked outside and it's exactly what you're saying. Like I looked up at the sky and I could just see like every star (laughs) in the solar system and I could see the illusion. I could see the hologram. Like I could see how like energetically everything connected together. And it was almost like I could see where you could peel back the layers of like the different realms. And I mean, it was just like really puts everything into perspective, exactly Mm. how you're saying. So trippy. Yeah. I, I actually 
have these experiences in my dream state, believe it or not. So I don't know necessarily how similar they are to the ayahuasca experience, um, but that's one of the many reasons why I'm like, I don't necessarily know, like, because I always want to preface it by saying that, like, ayahuasca is one of many tools that you can use to pierce the veil of our reality, so to speak. So Absolutely. And what you're talking about, too, is because DMT, which is the active ingredient in ayahuasca, is what we release when we dream and when we're dying and when we're born. So it's very similar to being in a dream. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. One of my friends, Bernard Gunther, I interviewed him on episode 24 of this podcast, just as a devil's advocate, he believes that using these substances can just become another path of avoidance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just an easy way to avoid the healing process on some level. So you can get hooked on these peak experiences and then avoid deeper psychotherapeutic and sincere self-work. Mm-hmm. But you're Absolutely. a psychotherapist. So I'm just curious, like, do you agree with that? Or is there a way that you introduce your work while people are going through, you know, these these journeys? Yeah. So I think it's, it. you know, that's a very important question to think about and to make sure that you're constantly monitoring it within yourself. It's something that I think about very often as well. And, you know, it was one of those things where I had been introduced to it. And then for many years, I didn't sit in ceremony, but then being in Costa Rica and just with the community, there's more of a medicine community here in general, the opportunity just presents itself so much more often. And I really had to make sure, you know, to set boundaries around that of like saying no to certain ceremonies and just doing it when I feel like I can actually benefit from it and making sure that it doesn't go to that point of just being another, like you said, avoidance or another substance that we abuse. Or, you know, for me, I really value the community aspect of it. You know, I really like that people come together and hold space for one another's healing. Um, But I definitely think that integration is a really important part of it. And to sit and give yourself time to understand what's happening and to have a spiritual context to begin with um, to before you even go into a ceremony or a journey like this, because if you don't have any t- type of a spiritual context or understanding of, you know, like you're talking about like other realms or, you know, this hologram that we live in, it can be really scary and it can be, like very anxiety invoking as well for people. And so you have to be very careful with it and serious about it. And so when I, when we do plant medicine retreats, for me, it's very important first of all to have a small ceremony that's intimate and safe. And then to make sure there's a lot of time to integrate what's happening, to talk about it, to understand, and then to, like you're saying, to kind of plan okay, what next? How are you going to go back to your real life? What changes are you going to make to ensure that you're not just like, you know, falling back to your own patterns? Mm. Yeah, that's so important. And I studied the work of Terrence McKenna and, you know, his experiences on DMT. And it's just, these are chemicals. Like you're, you're pretty much rewiring the neurology of your brain in a way. 
So it's really deep stuff. And Mm -hmm. how can you actually use that? Or at least you mentioned that it can be dark. It can be really intense. And and these experiences aren't always rainbows and unicorns. So you like to prepare the members of your group, you know, in advance and stuff, but there's really no way to know what's going to come out of these experiences. So is there any way to prepare? Like you can't really, you know, just sign on the dotted line and say, hey, like this is what's going to happen to you because it's really an unpredictable medicine. Yeah, I, I think that everyone's experience with it is completely different. And it's really based on, like I said, your intention and the questions that you have. And uh, a lot of it is, you know, mind control as well. Like some people are very controlling and they don't even let themselves go into the medicine because, you know, some of it has to be, it's a tough question because I don't necessarily fear the shadow parts of myself or the dark parts of myself. And I think everyone has darkness and light and it's just, you know, it's part of what I study and and what I, you know, I think when we try too hard to be good or to be this like perfect image of what we think we're supposed to be, that's what, you know, the result of that is repressing our desires or um, our truths. You know, I think a lot of mental illness comes from simply suppressing our truth. And so just not being afraid of what comes up and knowing that that's what needs to be worked on or maybe accepted or forgiven or whatever it is. I think it's just be brave. (laughs) That's part of doing plant medicines. You really, and I've seen people freak out and have bad experiences. And so, you know, I'll be the first to say it's not for everybody. I don't try to convince anyone to do it. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like the way the world is moving today is people are more tapped in. People want to be more tapped in at least. And they see ayahuasca as a tool to get there. So I love that you mentioned, you know, that you're not scared of the shadow side of yourself because that's a huge part of this. And on my podcast, it's called The Art of Humanity. It's not all beauty and magic. It's a lot of destruction and truth and just really sitting with yourself and in a way that ends up making you whole. And I interviewed actually Richard Rudd on um, episode 35 of my podcast, who talks about the shadow side as well. He's the author of The Gene Keys. So I just I love hearing about, you know, the shadow side and and this Jungian philosophy of Mm -hmm. the shadow is really what we need to tap into in order to integrate and to make ourselves whole. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I think it's Really, the way that I've gotten to where I am is not being afraid of the shadow parts because I think what happens is we become overridden with guilt and shame from whether it's, and you know, in my case, it was culture and religion. And, you know, I'm from Lebanon and my family is Muslim and there are many rules about what it means, you know, like how to be a woman, how, what it means to be a woman and how you can dress, what you can look like, how, you know, and I struggled very deeply with that of like being my true self versus like being what I was supposed to be and who I was supposed to be. And then having all this shame and guilt over that. And it was in those early years when I was able to do a lot of therapy and to examine, like I had mentioned earlier, who these voices were that were in my head and to distinguish like, no, this is who I truly am. 
all the good, all the bad, and that's okay. Like to not judge myself for who I am. That was like huge in allowing me to be free of anxiety, to be free of depression, to be free of this idea of who I need to be in the future, or it was just like being present in the moment. And I think when we're constantly worried, and this is what I see a lot in my clients is like, they're beating themselves up in their heads, you know, of like, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't have said this. And I'm so stupid, or I'm never going to be, you know, I'm never going to say the right things. And like all these things that people are internalizing because they're afraid of different parts of themselves or they don't accept parts of themselves, whatever it is, like that's where anxiety stems from normally. There are exceptions, of course, but overwhelmingly it comes from this judgment of ourselves and this like really being mean to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> to answer that succinctly is just to say that in order to truly love ourselves is to love every part, the good, the bad, try to live in balance, like to know that we're not perfect, but that we can, our actions every day, if we can just try to make choices that are in alignment with our values and our ethics, that, you know, that's really the best that we can do. Absolutely. That's so important. Getting away from like the anxiety in the past, you know, I think I heard somewhere that like anxiety is living in the past. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you apply like a spiritual, like, way to just live in the moment. I know it's so much easier said than done, but you know, when you learn to work through that, life just gets so much better. So Mm -hmm. switching it over to a little bit of a later topic, you are a vegan. I want to hear about how long you've been a vegan. When did you make the switch into becoming a vegan? And I'm picturing myself at that cute little vegan cafe that we went to in Santa Teresa and just (laughs) how delicious vegan food is, especially in Costa Rica, there's a huge vegan community. Just share with us a little bit about your experience and how the vegan lifestyle applies to you and what listeners who may be curious about this lifestyle would like to know. So I've been vegan for almost nine years now in February, it'll be nine years. And I was never a huge meat eater to begin with. I I grew up believing that I needed to eat steak and chicken for protein and that it was just part of a healthy diet, but I never really enjoyed eating any kind of like seafood or like cheese or eggs or I don't know. There was just a lot of it that repulsed me. And it's the same thing with milk. I just kind of remember drinking it because I thought I had to, but feeling really sick about it and imagining where it came from and just always, I always just felt weird about the whole thing. I'm like, why are we drinking this from cows, like this just doesn't make sense. And I, I know I can remember growing up conditioning myself, or I can see the process of like, where I slowly, you know, where those beliefs of like, no, it's okay to eat these things, how they were ingrained in me throughout my upbringing. And so it got to this point when I was in grad school, where these documentaries all started coming out about, you know, what's really happening to animals and slaughterhouses. And there's an older one called Earthlings and it's narrated by Joaquin Phoenix. And it's really, it's called the vegan maker. It's like its nickname because it, when you watch it, you're just like, the only reaction is to be like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm vegan now. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. my ex partner and I were eating steak at the time for dinner, like literally over a piece of steak, we went vegan. And it was, so it wasn't like, 
we were anticipating it to happen. We didn't even really know what the documentary was about. Someone had recommended it and I don't recommend watching it at dinner. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not light viewing, but so really it was just like an ethical decision for me. Like I just saw what was happening to the environment and to animals. And I just realized I couldn't participate in it anymore. And I decided that I didn't care about health, that I was just going to find a way to do it. And Upon more research and investigation, I found out that it actually is healthier to eat a vegan lifestyle. And, you know, not that we need to like get into any debates about it now or anything, but I definitely personally feel so much better. Like all of my health issues that I had ever experienced went away as I like cleaned up my diet. And I, yeah, just became very passionate about veganism in general I was an activist for many years in Los Angeles like going to many protests and parts of different campaigns and so that was a very big part of my life for a long time and now I just kind of advocate more on my podcast and through my social media channels and my partner is a vegan chef so you know all the retreats that we do are vegan and that makes things easy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it does it's pretty nice that's awesome so you already live such a life of magic and you make a point to do self-care, go surfing, do yoga, really just take care of yourself every single day. What's one thing that you're most excited about for the future? What are you working on that's lighting you up? Yeah. um, So I definitely feel totally content every day and I'm but definitely looking forward to the future as well because I just feel like as I continue to grow and work on myself, uh, the offerings that my partner and I are putting on are just getting better and better. And so really just looking forward to having our own piece of land soon. One day soon, we're working on getting you know our business here and getting all our paperwork in order and just you know kind of moving to that next step of adulthood <laughs> and um, legitimizing a lot of what we're doing in terms of like... My partner's getting his ebook going and recipes. And so we're going to do some lifestyle videos together, just like more content here in town. And that's pretty much it. That's what I'm looking forward to. And more travel. <laughs> nice. So you plan on sticking in Costa Rica for a while, is what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Nice. And then where? Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to say too much. I'm trying to like tiptoe around it. But yeah. 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 <laughs> Can't wait to continue to follow you on your journey. And where can listeners go to find you online? So my website is RimaTheJungleGirl.com. And there you can find any information about retreats. The podcast as well is linked all over there. And my contact information. And on Instagram, Rima underscore Danielle. Rima, thank you so much for joining me on The Art of Humanity. Thank you. You made it to the end of the podcast. This means the world to me, and I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to hop on over to my podcast website, artofhumanity.io, for show notes or past interviews. Or you can message me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My name is Jessica Ann, and my handle starts with an I. It's at I-T-S-J-E-S-S-I-C-A-N-N. I'd love to hear from you and learn more about what you've learned from this episode and I'll be sure to get in touch with you. If you really love this podcast, I'd highly appreciate it if you went on iTunes right now and left a review. It helps way more than you know. Let's get the Art of Humanity movement going. 
Thank you for listening. Until the next episode, evolve your business with the art of humanity. Listen, explore, evolve. I'm Jessica Ann.